And welcome back inside the home office and welcome to this week's edition of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run. I'm Craig D'Amico. Only three more regular season women's basketball game days left in the NEC this year. And this year we have to wait for the madness of March an extra day, but really the madness of March is already here. Just look at the women's basketball standings. It's complete chaos. So much is still up in the air. And of course, we'll break it down and talk all about it here on today's show. We'll also pick out the top stars. Uh, we'll get a chance to bring in one of uh, the top stars in the league as well. Uh, a veteran and a, a good friend of ours. We'll chat with Merrimack guard, Jamie DeCesare. She'll be stopping by here on the show. Uh, all that and more coming up. Plus, we have two big TV games coming up this week that we'll talk about. But first, let's get you caught up to speed on this week's top headlines. And we start with our three-point shot. And for our number one headline, we want to start with the Sacred Heart Pioneers. They're still at the top of the standings. They won a pair of games on the road this week. We'll just come right out and say we're not going to draw it out with a huge breakdown. 75-63 over FDU and 73-55 over Central Connecticut. Against FDU, they only turned the ball over six times. They had 42 points in the paint, and they shot 40% as a team. Against Central Connecticut, again, they only committed six turnovers the entire game. They shot 52% from the floor, and they had 31 points off Central turnovers. Look, if, if they're not going to turn the ball over, and they're going to make a high percentage of their shots. I I, I don't know what you do. I, I I don't know what you do if you're defending them. I mean, good luck. Uh, I mean, they are on that kind of roll right now. They're up to 12 and one in league play. They're on a nine game win streak since their only setback. That was back on January 15th against Lemoyne. Their nine game run right now is their longest win streak since 2016. The last time they were the regular season champions and they've already locked up a top two seed in this year's tournament. Again, they're looking to win their first regular season title since 2016. And with some help that could come as soon as this weekend. And we'll have those scenarios coming up in just a little bit. But the one thing I wanted to take a closer look at here, I wanted to compare this year's Sacred Heart team to the Sacred Heart team that when people think of the best Sacred Heart women's basketball team in the 25-year history of the Pioneers in the Northeast Conference, immediately everybody points to 2009. So I wanted to do some compare and contrast here because prior to this year, there, there wasn't even a discussion. It would be crazy for me to even bring this up of which team was the greatest in Sacred Hearts 25 years in the NEC. Hands down, it is slash was the 2009 team. That 2009 team, let me remind you, went 25 and 8, a perfect 18 and 0 in the Northeast Conference, one of the few rare teams that have run the table in conference play. And that year, they just dominated they ran through their competition winning games by an average margin of 15.3 points per game and that roster was stacked Elisa Apo, Caitlin Sawinski a, a young freshman version of Callan Taylor we know she'd become player of the year a couple of years later leading Sacred Heart to another title but this was young freshman raw potential Callan Taylor Maggie Cosgrove great shooter Stephanie Ryan all coached by Ed Swanson NEC Hall of Fame head coach. That was an incredible group. Now, somewhere the 2009 team is going to hear us comparing 2009 to 2024, which is the greatest Sacred Heart team of all time. And they're going to be sitting there thinking there is no comparison. We had a zero on our record and they don't have a zero on our record. 
End of comparison. Well, even though this year's Sacred Heart team is 12-1 and in conference play right now, let's dive a little bit deeper because this year's Sacred Heart team, they're winning games by an average of over 17 points. That's at two points better than 2009. When again, 2009 dominated. This year's team is dominating more. This year's, you know, the star player on this year's team, everybody talks about Isira Pryor. She's putting up better numbers than 2009's number one star player, Elisa Apo, averaging higher points, rebounds, assists, steals. Now, to be fair, you look at the number two star on each team, Caitlin Sawinski in 2009, much better than this year's number two score, Amelia Wood. But again, that's not really a fair comparison too, because that's a veteran senior compared to a sophomore. Then you get to the maybe the third best player on each team. Again, Callan Taylor, freshman version Callan Taylor. Just a slight edge if you look at the numbers than Sajeda Bonner uh, from this year's group. But after that, after those top three players, which maybe 2024 has the advantage in one of those categories and 2009 has the advantage in the other two, after those top three players, this year's Sacred Heart team has the advantage. They have the depth advantage over that 2009 team. Uh, Nalise Dudley, uh, OT, Sierra Johnson, Kelsey Wood. This year's group runs a little bit deeper than 2009. So even though this year's group has one loss in their conference, one loss record, and 2009 ran the table undefeated, I think there is a discussion and a comparison in the 25 years of Sacred Heart women's basketball in the NEC, which is the greatest team of all time. Again, was, and at the moment, probably still is 2009 without a question. However, if this year's team finishes the story, if they don't lose again, win a second straight title, something that 2009 didn't do, they didn't win a second straight title. They just won a first title and then they couldn't follow it up the next year. If this year's team wins a second straight title, only that one loss to their record, I think you have to have a conversation. I think we have to have a conversation, but it's fun to have uh, as this year's Sacred Heart team really shaping themselves to be one of, if not the greatest Sacred Heart women's basketball team uh, of all time. Now, again, despite dominating the conference all year, Sacred Heart doesn't have everything wrapped up just yet. So we can't just give them the crown. They still have some work to do, and they have a big game coming up this week against Merrimack, following a Thursday night game against Stonehill. Now, not to look past Stonehill, but just to throw out a scenario, if Sacred Heart loses to Merrimack, and then LeMoyne wins both of their games this weekend, despite dominating the league as we just talked about winning by an average of over 17 points per game Lemoyne would clinch the number one seed and sacred heart would have to settle for two so again sacred hearts dominated but work isn't done and again merrimack at home beating merrimack's has never lost at home. They're three and O in Massachusetts against sacred heart. So Merrimack beating sacred heart Merrimack on a big win streak right now. That's not completely, you know, a ridiculous thought. It's a very realistic possibility. And if that happens and Lemoyne wins both of their games, sacred heart, despite having this incredible season, they'd have to settle for the number two seed. So uh, that will be very interesting to watch how things play out uh, over the next three NEC women's basketball game nights. Now, 
As far as the Dolphins go, they will be either a one or a two seed. They won last week against LIU 58-45, and they won by 10 in New Jersey against the FDU Knights 70-60. to Latoya Baker netted her 1,000th career point in that LIU game, so that's a big note. She becomes the 16th Dolphin to get to that mark. I you know, had a chance to talk with Mary Grimes getting ready for uh, the LeMoyne game coming up on Thursday night, which we'll preview in a little bit. And we asked her about this incredible success for the Dolphins. And she said, you know, I, I know we were picked eighth in the preseason, but going in, I thought we had the talent, a lot of returning veterans to be in the top third of the league. And she is super proud that her team is, yes, they're in the top third, but they've kind of bumped that up even further. They're in the top two. Uh, and she said, really, the key is once our defense started to click, the team really took off. And that's where they are right now. Now, the Dolphins, they wrap up their regular season this week. They have two games, and then they are off on Thursday while all the other teams are busy playing their regular season finale. So the Dolphins, no matter what happens, whether they're the one seed, whether they're the two seed, they will get nine days off from after Saturday's game all the way until their first quarterfinal game on Monday, March 11th. So a nine-day break could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. That remains to be seen. Something to think of down the road. But first things first, LeMoyne getting ready to take care of their business uh, against Wagner on Thursday night. And then a rematch with St. Francis, one of the two teams that have handed them a defeat this year, albeit that was on a short week with a lot of travel uh, as LeMoyne getting used to uh, the crazy turnaround in the Northeast Conference. Now let's go to headline number two, and we're going to go behind the microphone a little bit. We're going to take you back to last Saturday's NEC TV game in Loretto, Pennsylvania, between the Stonehill Skyhawks and the St. Francis Red Flash. And for me, it was great being back at the Gall Arena. I always say that's the Yankee Stadium, the Lambeau Field of NEC women's basketball. You walk in, you see the 12 trophies, and it immediately, I mean, it, it can't help it. It brings back all the memories of the great players, the great teams that uh, have played in that gym and have worn the St. Francis uniform. My first championship game was 20 years ago, March of 2004. Uh, Monmouth going all the way up to St. Francis for that championship game, all excited. Monmouth was down 20 to five, like four minutes in, and it was warm up the bus. Uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't that close, but it was a great environment. Uh, and for Stonehill, they went in uh, last week and it came up with a huge victory. It was their first road win of the season, and it was wire to wire 66 to 56 Jada Thornton who has one of the highest scoring improvements in the league this year had 18 points Cam Ward coming back from a second knee injury uh really a great story for her she finished right behind with 17 so the duo combined for 35 and together they're averaging close to 30 points per game in the month of February so the win was monster for Stonehill's playoff chances. Again, they're trying to clinch their first ever NEC tournament berth. They're up to sixth in the standings. Talking with Coach Brown last week, she said, look, the NEC, the presidents, they, they made a special rule allowing us to play in the NEC tournament as we're going through our transition. So they're giving the, us this opportunity. We have to take advantage of it. And they did last weekend. Again, a big win getting up to sixth in the standings. And at the same time, tough loss for SFU. Five years ago, the Red Flash were coming off back-to-back -back championship game appearances. Now they're facing the realization just five years later of possibly tying the program record for the most losses in a single season with 24 from back in 2006. Again, this is the 12-time champion. 
uh, highly uh, disappointing to see that. I've always said NEC basketball is at its best when St. Francis is on top. And since 1996, St. Francis hasn't gone more than seven years without a championship. This year would be year six in the drought. Next year would be year seven in the drought. So hopefully the Red Flash can get things going here in the final two games, get a tournament berth this year, and turn it around and be back challenging for a championship next year. Do want to mention two stories that we didn't get in on the broadcast. Sharn Hayward for Stonehill, former guest on the show, hit 11 threes at a game earlier this year. Uh, we mentioned when we spoke with her earlier in the year, she's from Penguin, Tasmania. We talked to her about how the seasons are different. So uh, when she celebrates Christmas, it's it's hot because it's summer, uh, <laughs> you know, down under. But um, one thing we, we found out that really didn't take into consideration when she's in Massachusetts here in the U.S. winter playing basketball, it's obviously winter season, the harsh New England winter. But then when May, June comes around and school is over and she goes back and visits home, she goes back to the other side of the world and it's winter there. So she never gets the never ending winter. She's in winter when she's here playing. And then when it's summer break here in the U.S., it's winter back home in Tasmania. So she never escapes winter. So when she told us that she's grown to, to you know, come to terms with the, uh, the winter uh, Christmas, the winter holiday season, she wasn't lying because she never escapes it now, whether it's here in the U.S. or in, you know, June, July when she goes back home and it's winter over there. So uh, interesting story for Sharn Hayward. And the other story we didn't get in is Kendall Carruthers. Uh, Coach Whittington was talking about recruiting uh, the potential NEC Rookie of the Year. And she said that when Kendall told us in our interview last week that she was always in the gym, she wasn't lying either. Uh, Coach Whittington was saying when she was recruiting her, she had a tough time because she could never get a hold of Kendall on the phone. The phone, you know, it would always be going right to voicemail. And she'd never pick up because the phone was on silent. Kendall was always in the gym uh, you know, working out, shooting, working on her game. So they can never get a hold of her during recruiting. So I, I guess that's a good problem to have. I mean, you can't get a hold of your potential recruit, but there's a good reason for it. She's in the gym, uh, you know, doing a lot of putting in a lot of work. So uh, again, uh, interesting story there. Uh, and, and good for Kendall, you know, St. Francis, they've gone back to back years now without a top 10 score in the league. That's going to change this year as Carruthers is up there in the top five. Uh, and uh, and possibly be the first St. Francis Rookie of the Year since Caitlin Kroll back in 2018. So to wrap up our top headlines, let's look at headline number three, where things stand right now going into the final three games. Sacred Art, Lemoyne, Merrimack, and FDU have all clinched spots into this year's NEC tournament. Sacred Heart is 12-1, and one, a half game better than Lemoyne at 12-2, and two, four games better than Merrimack and FDU, who are both 8-5, and five, and tied for third. So again, there's uh, not enough ground there for Merrimack or FDU to catch up. So Sacred Heart and Lemoyne both know they will be in the top two. We just don't know the order. Sacred Heart and Lemoyne have also clinched first round home playoff games. Now, FDU's magic number starting last week was two to clinch a first round home playoff game for themselves. And it's still, and it's still was two because they lost both of their games, but Central lost the game as well last week. So because of that Central loss, the magic number is now down to one. The Knights can officially clinch a home quarterfinal playoff game for a third straight year with their next win. 
or the next Central Connecticut State loss. Same for the Warriors. They can clinch a home quarterfinal playoff game for a second straight year with a win or a Central loss. Now, conveniently, FDU and Merrimack play each other head-to-head. So both teams need a win to clinch that home playoff game. One of them is going to get it. So the winner on Thursday will definitely clinch a first-round home playoff game. The loser can still clinch a first-round home playoff game, too, if Central falls on Thursday night to LIU. Now, FDU and Merrimack at the moment are three games better than Central. The Blue Devils are 5-8 and eight and in fifth place. Central hasn't finished that high in the standings since 2016. Stonehill is now up at 6th at 4-9 and nine following that win at St. Francis. And then you have a trio of 10 lost teams. LIU's Overtime win over Wagner last week was huge to help him create this cluster at the bottom of the standings. If not for that, LIU would have been a game off the pace and in danger of missing the tournament completely. So you have FDU at four and 10, St. Francis at four and 10, Wagner at three and 10. One of those three most likely will be the odd team out and miss the tournament entirely. Time now for the heat check featuring the top stars from this past week in NEC action. And we start at number three with an LIU shark, Mariah Elohim. The sophomore guard had a pair of 20 point games this week, 20 points on Thursday against Lemoyne, 25 to lead LIU to that huge overtime win against Wagner on Saturday. Elohim averaged just six and a half points last year. She's up to 12.3 now. She's almost doubled it. Uh, doubling her production from 2023 to 2024. Our number two star is LaToya Baker from LeMoyne. The Dolphins senior moves up a spot from last week. She's at number two this week after a pair of 20-point games, a double-double, and her 1,000th career point. On Thursday in the Aquarium Mania matchup against the Sharks, Baker had 22 points, including her 1,000th, which came on a three-point play free throw with under four minutes to go in the fourth, becoming the 16th Dolphin to reach 1,000 points. Then on Saturday, she recorded her 11th double-double of the season with 20 points, 10 rebounds against FDU. Baker is a top-five scorer while leading the league with 8.7 rebounds per game. And our number one star of the week, it's Nysera Pryor from the Sacred Art Pioneers. The reigning player of the year is back in the top spot for the second time in three weeks. The sophomore guard from Baltimore flirted with a triple-double, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists to start the week in the championship game rematch against FDU. Then she compiled 26 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists on Saturday against Central, the 26 points one off her season high. Now, if there was ever any doubt, as to who the 2024 NEC Women's Basketball Player of the Year might be, Pryor is putting an end to that conversation with her play since the calendar turned to February. She is averaging 21.7 points per game. She scored 20 or more points in four straight outings. She's playing her best here down the stretch. Pryor is the league leader in scoring, assists, and steals. And as she told us a few weeks ago, she has just enough room in her crib for last year's trophies. I think she should start shopping for a new shelf to make room for some trophies coming up this year. She's looking to be the fifth NEC player to win back-to-back players of the year, joining Jess Kovach, Artemis Spinu, Susie Rolick, and Vanessa Blair. Jess Noble won player of the year twice, just not back-to-back. So there you have it. This week's heat check, Elohim, Baker, Pryor, our top three stars of the week in the Northeast Conference. Now it's time for our NEC Open Mic, and this week we welcome in one of the veteran leaders 
of one of the hottest teams in the NEC right now, the Merrimack Warriors, who have a big weekend coming up this week. It's time to chat with Jamie DeCesare. It's time now for the NEC Open Mic, and our guest this week is a veteran guard in the league, a former first-team all-conference performer, a relatively new member of the 1,000-point club. We welcome in from the Merrimack Warriors, Jamie DeCesare. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, your Warriors are currently making their annual February surge up the standings. Last year, I believe it was seven in a row up the standings. Right now, currently four in a row. So what's been working well these last few weeks? We know it kind of got off to a sluggish start in conference play, but how has the team kind of managed to pull things together here as of late? Yeah, um, I just say we're like playing as a team, like we're learning each other, like as you mentioned, a, a little sluggish start in the beginning, but uh, we just like are learning each other, learning, building that chemistry on and off the court. Like um, in the beginning, we have eight new players. So like that's definitely a hard challenge in the beginning, just learning where they're best at, like how to set them up for success. So I would just say like we're definitely playing team basketball right now and we're sticking to the defensive end, which which is a very important thing for us. I want to talk about that dynamic that you brought up because your your team is so great and, to, and fun to watch and that you have the veteran group, which is like you, Kiki, Diamond, all the vets that have been there forever now. And then you have this equally impressive young group with Paloma Garcia and Talia Shepard and Madison Roman. I'll even throw Lydia in there, even though she's a sophomore. I mean, what is that kind of dynamic like with the veterans and the young guns all coming, kind of coming together? Yeah, that's what's so awesome about our team. Like it, anybody any day like you don't know whose day it's gonna be and that's what's awesome is like those freshmen are playing some big minutes and like they take a lot of pressure off of the veterans so it's just awesome having them and they've been working so hard and I'm just like so proud of them because they're always there and they have our backs like on nights that me Kiki and Diamond are struggling they always step up and they're they're there to put up the points be on the defensive end so they've definitely been a key key success to our team. Now, last year was Merrimack's first venture into the NEC tournament. You had a home quarterfinal game, got to the semifinals. This year, you guys have a chance, though, to get to the NCAA tournament if you're able to win it. Uh, so I would assume this is what you came back for this year for the extra year. So what will you take kind of from that experience last year and apply to this March when you guys get there? Yeah, so definitely last year was our first time that we could ever play for an NEC tournament. So just having those games and that experience, like it was unbelievable. And it, that's the reason why I wanted to come back. I wanted to finish what I started. So just having that mentality of like playing playoff basketball was something that like I wanted to do. And I wanted to be that that person that brings this team to the first NEC championship and also an, a chance to go to March Madness. So that's why I came back. What was it everything you thought? I mean, for someone like me that, you know, I'll never have a chance to play, you know, in that type of playoff environment, March Madness. But was it everything you kind of expected it to be? What is the playoff atmosphere like? Oh, yeah, it's completely different. It's definitely very, very hard. But I would just say it's another normal game. Like this conference is so competitive and we have such great teams in this conference. So the playoff game, yes, you you want to win even more because it's like you're one and done. But I would still say the games are just as competitive as in the regular season as they are in playoffs so it's like the playoffs already started which we'll, we'll get to in a second uh mm -hmm. i, I want to kind of go back to your basketball journey here for those who might not be familiar with you uh when was it how was it you know as a youngster that you kind of fell in love with the game of basketball 
Yeah, so my family is very sports oriented and basketball oriented. Um, my dad played basketball, my aunt played basketball growing up. So basketball was just in our family. But I would say I really fell in love with the game when I grew up in a neighborhood of all boys. And all we did every day in the summertime when there was no school was play basketball. And they have definitely made me the person I am today, like the toughness, everything. So I would definitely say like playing every day with them in the backyard and just being so physical, like that's definitely the reason why I love this sport so much. So credit to them. You you got the better of them, right? You kicked their butt. <laughs> okay, good. We, we know, we know. Now, what was it about Merrimack that kind of brought your basketball journey there? What was it that kind of made it a good fit? Yeah, so Merrimack, I just knew like when I stepped on campus that like it felt like home and that's what I wanted, that feeling. And I tried to look at it as a, as if I don't play a sport at the school, would I still like it? So that's how I kind of based my decision. And that was Merrimack. Like, and another part that like was very important to me was close to home because I knew that if I do play a sport, I would want my family to come to come and be able to watch me. So that was a big uh, part of my decision. And, and being like an hour and a half away from home was definitely why I chose Merrimack. But it's just also that community feeling like everybody knows each other. Everybody's so supportive. So like just having that family oriented community around you and support was definitely a big thing that we have at Merrimack, which brought me here. Now, let's talk about, as we said, playoffs kind of have already started. Merrimack currently tied for third. And this week, two big games, FDU Sacred Heart against teams you played back in January, which, I mean, you were like a completely different team back then. You were coming off two weeks off. You had some players just coming back from injury. So um, much stronger Merrimack team right now, much stronger FDU and Sacred Heart teams too. So what, what are some of the keys that you're kind of expecting uh, for those games going into this weekend? Yeah, so we just got to stick to being us and and being the team that we know we can be. And as you mentioned, we are a completely different team than we were back then. So just sticking to us, like sticking to the game plan that the coaches have for us because they always want to put us in a great position to be successful. So just listening to the game plan and also defense is a big thing of ours. Like when we get stops and we go and push in transition, that's something that is very helpful for us and something we do very well. So I would just say we're focusing on us and like, doing the little things that we can control to be successful for the, those games coming up. And how happy are you for the way the schedule worked out? Three straight games at home to end the season. I mean, I, I've never seen that before. That's incredible. It's great feeling. <laughs> don't don't, it. a, don't ask questions. Just take it. <laughs> I'm fine with Absolutely. Now we, we will be there on Saturday ESPN plus for the game against sacred heart. I'm looking forward to calling. I just wanted to workshop something with you. If you have, if you hit a big three and I say that was a DeCesa three by DeCesare on the cringe meter, or is that thumbs up, thumbs down in the middle? Fine with me. Okay. All right. It passes Jamie's test. So you might hear it coming up on Saturday. Uh, all right. Let's get to the final five questions. These are quick hitters. So first thing that comes to your mind, just let it out. All right. All right. Favorite snack or junk food? Pretzels. Okay. Favorite color? Blue. Pre-game superstition? Oh, this is a good one. Um, I have to wear the same lotion. Okay. If we took a survey of your teammates, what's a trait or an adjective that you think they would use to describe you? Short. Okay. And but finish the sentence. Merrimack wins the NEC championship this year if... We stick to our game plan, we stick to being us, and we play Merrimack basketball. 
There we go. Can't wait to see how the story plays out. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So we'll see Jamie and the Warriors. Two huge games with playoff implications this week. Thursday, 7 p.m. against FDU on NEC Front Row. And then we'll have ESPN Plus Saturday at 3 p.m. against Sacred Heart. Be sure to check out this full episode of NEC Women's Basketball on the run on the NEC Overtime Pod. It's available now wherever you get your podcasts. We thank Jamie for stopping by, and we look forward to those two huge Merrimack games coming up this week. Now, coming up on this week's Stat Chat, we wanted to take a closer look at a night that only comes around once every four years. It's an NEC Women's Basketball Leap Year game night coming up on Thursday, and that's right. We actually put together some stats for NEC Women's Basketball games in history that have been played on February 29th. At least since the NEC website records go back, that was the leap year in the year 2000. So since the leap year in the year 2000, here's some interesting stats for you uh, on leap year day on February 29th. Since the year 2000, Sacred Heart, LIU, and Merrimack are all undefeated on leap day. Sacred Heart and LIU are both 2-0. While the Warriors, who were only NEC members on one prior leap day back in 2020, they won that game against Central Connecticut, so they're 1-0 on leap day. Now, since the year 2000, Central Connecticut is 1-1, one and, one, and St. Francis, Wagner, and FDU are all 0-2 since the year 2000 on February 29th. Now, if you're looking for big games, things that might happen, records being broken for leap year day coming up on Thursday night, well, the NEC's all-time single-game scoring record on February 29th is currently held by Jasmine Nawaji of the Wagner Seahawks. She scored 37 points against LIU back in 2016. That same night, or not the same night, four years later, I should say, Adrian Haygood of Sacred Heart had a solid game, 22 points against St. Francis Brooklyn. That was in the 2020 leap year. Uh, Sacred Hearts 84 to 63 win over the Terriers. So Nawaji big game. Haygood had a big game four years later. Who will have a big leap day game coming up on Thursday night? That's the bar for all of the players this year. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Thursday night. If they don't get it this year, uh, they'll have to wait another four years. They'll have to wait uh, till the next February 29th coming around in 2028. All right. So Let's take a look at our Leap Day ledger, what's coming up on tap both Thursday night and then again on Saturday. First on Thursday, Central Connecticut will take on LIU. Central can take a step closer to clinching a playoff spot in Brooklyn on Thursday against the Sharks. With a win, LIU can get to within a game of fifth place themselves, though. They earned the win back in January in New Britain, 57-50. And again, a Central loss would clinch a home playoff game for both FDU and Merrimack. Now, speaking about FDU and Merrimack, they go head-to-head. -head. Two teams who have already locked up tournament spots and looking to clinch top four seeds. The winner will clinch a first-round home playoff game on Thursday night. The loser will have to wait around to see what happens with Central and LIU. FDU won at home back in the first weekend of the season, 67-51, to but Merrimack's won four in a row, and FDU is coming off a tough weekend last week, taking on Sacred Heart and LeMoyne back-to-back, -back. but they have won four of six if you go back to the beginning of February. Now, this game is also interesting because it features the return of Tunisia Brown to Merrimack. Brown had 296 points in two seasons with the Warriors in 2021 and 2022, averaging 
nearly eight points per game. She was a preseason all-conference player last year, but didn't take the court. Now as a transfer, she takes the member, she, she takes the court as a member of the Knights back in her old stomping grounds. She's been uh, coming in red hot, 18 points, nine rebounds, and 19 points, eight rebounds in her last two games prior to this homecoming in Massachusetts. Stonehill will take on Sacred Heart, the Pioneers closing in on the regular season title. Stonehill looking to make their first ever NEC tournament. They're just coming off their first road win uh, at St. Francis on Saturday. Looking to start a little road uh, win streak with what would be a major upset at the home of the reigning champs. And finally, the game we'll have for you on ESPN+. Plus. It's LeMoyne taking on the Wagner Seahawks. This is the penultimate regular season game for the Dolphins, who are already in the top two. They would like to finish as the regular season champs and earn a number one seed. Again, they need to win this, this game, and they need to have uh, Sacred Heart lose once preferably to Merrimack on Saturday. That would be the easiest scenario for LeMoyne. They win twice and Sacred Heart loses to Merrimack. The Dolphins have won five in a row and they defeated Wagner 56 to 45 back on February the 1st. Latoya Baker, who recently scored her 1,000th point, is averaging a double-double, 16 points, 10 rebounds in the month of February. The Seahawks dropped a tough overtime game to LIU on Saturday. LIU led big. Uh, Wagner fought their way back in at a great second half to tie it. Coach Coburn, very proud of his team down the stretch. Wagner had 28 points off 23 LIU turnovers, and that's how Wagner likes to play. It's their defense leading to offense, forcing you to turn it over, and then that's how they get their offense. They also had the advantage in the paint and on the bench, just couldn't get the win. They've lost five in a row, and they're in danger of being the odd team left out of the playoff party. But one positive note for Wagner going into this game, the play of freshman Kiara Edmonds. She's recorded double-doubles in three of the last four. She has become the go-to. Edmonds versus Baker. That is going to be a matchup to watch. 7 p.m. Thursday night, LeMoyne-Wagner on ESPN+. Then we go to Saturday. Central Connecticut at Stonehill. Central just one game up over Stonehill in the standings for fifth place. Central won that game 71-59 to kick off their conference season back in early January. FDU will be at Wagner. Two teams definitely with a defensive mindset. FDU won 62-53 back a couple weeks ago on February the 9th. Abigail Babori went off in that game for 18 points. St. Francis will be taking on LeMoyne. Again, this is LeMoyne's final game of the regular season. If they win Thursday and Saturday, they will finish with 14 NEC wins, which would equal the 1990 Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers as the only schools to join the NEC since the inaugural tournament in 1987 and win 14 conference games in their inaugural season. Not many win 14 games, period. It's been a very slim list who have done it in year one. Uh, Merrimack won 13 games in their first NEC season in 2020. Mount St. Mary's won 14 back in 1990, and that's pretty much it. Now, on the other side, St. Francis, the 12-time champions, they've been in the NEC tournament 14 of the last 15 years. They need to win to assure themselves a spot in the tournament this year. And our feature game, Saturday, 3 p.m., ESPN+. Plus. Myself, Pam Roker, will be on the call for the rematch, Sacred Heart, and Merrimack. The first time they met was to kick off conference play. Sacred Heart won that one by 14, by 24, 65 to 41. Now, 
if you recall in that game, as we talked about with Jamie. Merrimack had two weeks off prior to that game. Kaylee and Talia were just coming back from being out. We said back in February it would be a completely different Merrimack team when these two teams meet in March, and it's pretty much worked. <laughs> it worked. It was. It worked itself out like that. The Warriors have won four straight and a win over Sacred Heart, a team they swept in the regular season last year, but knocked them out in the playoffs. It would not only help their chances, but again, it would help Lemoyne. It would do them a little favor. It would help the Dolphins' chances to clinch a number one seed. We talked with Coach Marone back in January. She said the defense was there. The offense was giving her a concern. Well, the offense has come around. They were averaging 53 points per game going into that first Sacred Heart game. They're averaging 59 points per game now, 69 points per game in the month of February. The Warriors definitely playing their best here at the most important time of the season. Then again, so are the Pioneers. They're winning by domination, nine in a row, average margin of 17 points per game. And with two wins and a LeMoyne loss over the weekend, Sacred Heart could clinch their sixth regular season title, first since 2016, and the number one seed all by the time we talk to you again next week. So uh, they're on their quest to become the first repeat champions in the NEC since Mount St. Mary's in 2021 and 2022. Two big TV games this week, both rich with playoff implications. We will talk to you Thursday night, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus for LeMoyne and Wagner. And again on Saturday afternoon in Massachusetts, 3 p.m. Sacred Heart Merrimack on ESPN Plus. And then we'll come all the way back here next week for the season finale to recap it all. Set up the final regular season NEC Women's Basketball Game Day and come out of the tiebreaker bunker to go over all the playoff scenarios. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Women's Basketball on the Run.